Coming in on a wing and a prayer. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. Though there's one motor gone, we can still carry on. Coming in on a wing and a prayer. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. With our full crew aboard and our trust in the Lord, coming in on a wing and a prayer. Good morning, Oshkosh, and welcome to episode number 147 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on Sunday morning, August 2nd, 2009, and for the second time this week, we are recording on location from the center of the aviation universe, or on the grounds of the 2009 edition of the world's greatest aviation celebration, Airvision Oshkosh. We are the guests of our friends at EAA Radio, and we're up on their second floor deck overlooking the flight line here at AirVenture on Whitman Field. And man, it's just a beautiful morning, a very, very unlike uh, our earlier episode this week where we had a rainy day. That rain blew out pretty quickly, and it's been beautiful all week long, and this is just about as nice as it's been all week long. Finer and frog hair, that's right. As I've said before, just to set the scene, we are out on the second floor deck of EAA Radio. This is the closest building to the uh, AirVenture flight line and the runway, and they're adjusting my microphone as I hear because there's a lot of background noise. There's a lot of background noise, but... Uh, but it's good background noise, because it's a couple of big, well, one big radial engine and one big inline engine. That's right. Let me say hi to my friends that are joining us on the deck this morning. Uh, as usual, we have uh, Dave Higdon is here. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Really, really well right now. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very pleasant morning to come out here first thing on Sunday morning. Like this. I was, got to sleep late. It was actually... Not up until after sunrise today. It was a very nice feeling. That's right. You've had quite a busy week this week. Maybe we'll talk about that before we're done here. Uh, we're out here this morning. We're right in front of the uh, old short line, old short spot area, run-up area, if you will, for uh, runway uh, 18. And a lot of airplanes are departing. You're going to be hearing a lot of noise throughout the podcast, good noise. And uh, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the airplanes we see out here. You saw uh, uh, your old command, not your command, Comanche, but, but one like yours. Well, it came. It, it had to have come down the. Uh, it had to have come down the line at Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, within a few days because the uh, tail number is off by only eight uh-huh. from uh, the bird that we had. Yeah, and they numbered those consecutively. That's right. That time. Yeah. 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 Also here on the deck is that other voice, Hello. Jeb Burnside, is here. Hi, Jeb. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm I'm going home yeah. uh, today, but. Uh, i uh, got a lot of stuff to accomplish, but uh, it's been a wonderful week. It's great to be here out on the deck at EAA Radio, and uh, um, it, it just does not get any better than this. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty good. Also, James Winbrandt is here. Uh, how are you doing, James? I'm doing great. I'm uh, <clears throat> kind of feeling a little ambivalent. It's been such a fantastic week, and, and uh, you know, it's been a lot of work. It's great to get everything done, but I'm feeling a little bit sad about leaving this behind. The only... <laughs> The only upside of that is I know, should I be uh, back here next year, it'll seem like only yesterday. It will. It always does. Yeah, it's always a strange little mix. You you, you get here, there's so much to see, so much to do. You run like crazy. Then you realize it's almost over, 
And there's a strange sense of melancholy that sets in. Yeah, going, yeah. Chimney, I'm not ready. Earlier, I couldn't wait for it to be done. Now I'm not ready for it to be over. <laughs> exactly. And also joining us up on the deck, it's actually his deck, so we're joining him. Uh, it's the, uh, uh, the co... I'm sorry, I always forget the title here. It's uh, uh, Station manager is good enough. Station manager of EA Radio, Farid Yo is here. Hi, Farid. How are you doing? Good afternoon, morning, and evening to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it to my campsite at 8.30 last night. A new record uh-huh. for yeah. me. And... Uh, here and I'm welcome back to the porch. Thank you, we, thank you for it. It's you. great to be your hospitality. Yeah, thank you. It's <laughs> Thanks great. for having us. Oh, that's you're this. a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll, take, I'll take note of the fact that uh, that uh, Dave and Jeb and James and I are all standing, but Farid is kind of like sitting. I've uh, just taken it all in. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Because you've had a hard week. You've been busy. You you were doing the 6 a.m. show every day on the radio. Yes, and, sir. And then you were probably here until you know eight or nine o'clock at night every night. Uh, no, that's early. Uh, more like 12:30. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the the challenge is that. Um, you get we, we get volunteers in here only do this about seven days a week uh, a year, and the first two days is just getting them to figure out what they're doing again, and so those of us with they, that have kind of all the skills needed in one person ha- end up doing a lot more stuff to get everybody else up to speed, and there's only a few of us, so now what we do you know it it's, it took till about Wednesday and then the production room really started to hum. And I could actually get out earlier and earlier and earlier. And yeah. So now I'm pretty relaxed. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so the end is near. I, before we get further, I want I want to invite people because the last two years you've had to describe the action, but now you can go to to Oshkosh 365 and check out the blue dot cam, and that's pointed right at the uh, the blue dot this time for departures. Also, if you go to eaaradio.net/tv. We have uh, our in-studio cam is the large picture, but there's an inset, and there's also a camera that is pointed out, a little eyeball camera that's out there, and you can kind of see the same, uh, the same view. So as, uh, as you guys are uh, describing the action out there, well, some people can actually see it. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned, speaking of the uh, webcams, you guys have added a lot of those kinds of things this year. How's it all gone? Uh, it's <laughs> well. It's kind of like uh, the the uh, success has kind of uh, kicked us in the butt a little bit, and that we get a lot of uh, uh, recommendations about where to point the the blue dot cam. <laughs> and uh, mostly it was like, can't you tilt it up? Can't you tilt it this way? Why can't we see more of the air show? And 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 my thought is. Really, uh, we should we should be fortunate that we're able to view anything here on the flight line, and to, to actually have live coverage of the air show. Come right. on up and volunteer to run that camera for us, because hey, we certainly yeah. don't have the time. There are a lot of other cameras. Oh. I'm sorry about that. Once uh, again, we can't hear Jeb. It seems like whenever on the on the uh, Jeb Jeb always has the bum mic. Yeah. Um, hold on. Uh, we'll try to get your bike working. Uh, yep. One of the things my we've real, had... My, we, my, my courtesy car knows about him, too. Just before he reaches for the door handle, it always magically locks. <laughs> <laughs> the, I want to explain... Jim is standing here. Uh. can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want speechless. Personality. He's speechless. <laughs> I want to explain to our listeners that uh, not only are the people vol- volunteers at EA Radio, sometimes the equipment is too. <laughs> and uh, this this week, their mic modules in the board—they're uh, all just circuit breakers. With uh, yeah, I would try to hook that mic up uh, instead of uh, you. May, you may have to just hold the mic there, Jeb. That's all right. EA um, Radio people will fix it for us. One right. thing I wanted to mention for Reed is that's probably me. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, follow the follow the bouncing ball. Go ahead. Is uh, 
you were talking about people making comments and making suggestions about the webcams. I yep. know for a fact from paying attention to the web and the net this past week that a lot of people have been enjoying the, the fly-in by way of those cameras and by way of other streams. So uh, I think it's been a big success, if you ask me, and uh, I congratulate you folks. I know it was a lot more work to get it going. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was because we made we had so many offerings this year. We've had just had so many comments, and uh, so we had a blue dot cam, and then there's an ATC feed with that for the tower. Plus, we had um, on uh, we had a second ATC feed, which is sort of accessible. Uh, there has the link is, is is on the EA website somewhere. Also, we of course had the audio stream and the blue dot cam. So we just wanted. We, we really wanted uh, EA Radio to be kind of a central hub of interactivity along with Oshkosh 365, and I think EAA saw the same potential, and, and, that's, and those were the, that's why uh, we, we did all of this, this, this effort. And, and, of course, a lot of people have opinions about where to point that <laughs> Blue Dot Cam. It's the most visited page on airventure.org. Well, isn't, by definition, the Blue Dot Cam supposed to be pointed at the Blue Dot? You know, we, we, we really discussed that a lot, and unfortunately, what... Uh, we realize that people want to see the airplanes approaching and not right. necessarily landing. And if you look at it, the threshold is maybe what uh, two, three hundred feet uh, um, to the uh, to the north of the blue dot. Uh -huh. And so I guess everybody's aiming point is the blue dot. And it seemed to work out better if we pointed it just to the left of the blue dot yeah. for, uh, for, for people, arrivals. For people not familiar, the, the blue dot that we're referring to is uh, one of a series of colored dots that they have placed on the runway, on both of the runways, and uh, they direct people to land. Uh, that's how they direct them where to land along the runway to, to fit more arrivals onto the uh, pavement. So uh, the blue dot is the one that's right out in front of us here uh, at this particular intersection. That's right now where airplanes are taxiing out and uh, into position for takeoff. Actually, right now, airplanes are on hold yeah. because something's happening down at the south yeah, end. Yeah, what, what we had happen, uh, just as we started going on the air, a B-25 landed and rolled out full length, and some emergency vehicles trailed him. The B-25 is now on the, on the taxiway at the south end of the field uh, near the threshold of 3-6, and there's a couple of, uh, I won't call them emergency vehicles, but service vehicles on the runway. Looks like they're peeling off right now. They're I wonder if, if maybe the aircraft lost a chunk of tire or something like that on the runway, and uh, they're out there inspecting it. Well, yeah, some, something, something was going on because yeah. the emergency vehicles were rolling in that direction before the 25 landed. Okay. Uh, the one concern that I, you know, I, I learned early on when I started volunteering in 1994 was you get a delay like this, and some of these people, they, they overheat quick. Right, yeah. And uh, right. that's that's one of the concerns. All these airplanes are waiting to go, especially these these uh, these these uh, these flying museums that we have uh -huh. out here. Well, not to mention that jet-powered sailplane down there. Just <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's under a different power source this morning, but uh, uh, it is a problem. Uh, Jack and I uh, um, took a ride uh, with one of our very gracious listeners. Uh, I guess Thursday morning, and or maybe Friday morning. And uh, we were a good 45 minutes just in the conga line before we could get on the runway. And a lot of other people, you know, one guy said, hey, look, everything's redlined here. I need to go. And it was just one of those mornings where there's a, uh, there's a stack up. There's going to be a stack up here as the day goes on, too. Yeah. Before we take our first break here, why don't we just talk a little bit about some of the airplanes we're seeing in front of us. Anything jump out at you? Oh, aircraft? pretty much all of them. There's a Breezy. There's a, I think that's a Sea Fury. There's a Yak taxiing out behind the Sea Fury. You got a VTL Bonanza. You got a turboprop Lancer. Uh, I don't know what that is. A Great Lakes uh, biplane. Um, got a Glass Star. Yeah, got a, a Quickie. A um, Comanche uh, uh, RV. 
Looks like a Cessna. Very uh, nice Luscom. Cessna 120, 140. I can't tell whether it's got yeah. flaps. Um, a beautiful Twin Beach. That one, we had a U-turn in front of us here a few moments ago. Um, very little paint on it. Uh, the metal is just polished uh, from what we could see to uh, a perfection. Um, and some other aircraft taxiing in behind him. So, uh, so just your basic normal morning. Just your basic normal last day morning at Oshkosh. Uh, favorite place let, in the world. Yeah, lest anybody it. think that the end is right now, we've still got arrivals coming in here, too. That's so. right. Hey, we've got to take a break. You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on PAA Radio. Forget ping pong balls. How many podcasters can you fit in an A380? Welcome back to Uncontrolled Airspace here we go. on EAA Radio. Uh, so we're back here on the deck. We played a little bit of uh, musical chairs with the microphones during the break, and uh, hopefully we've kind of adjusted things and improved things a little bit. So uh, last day, we've been here all week long, and uh, a lot of things have happened throughout the week. What have you seen that, that was particularly uh, interesting to you? Everything was interesting. Um, um you know, just the, the operations of the aircraft coming and going and how they've got that, uh, uh, that, that down to a fine science. Uh, the vintage aircraft, the antiques, uh, how well-preserved they are and, and the craftsmanship involved. Um, the home-built experimental, same thing, the craftsmanship and, and imagination and, and creativity involved with them. And, and, you know, I use those words lightly in their, their common words, but um, you they, they damn with faint praise. Uh -huh. it's, it's just the, uh, just phenomenal, some of the aircraft you see out here. Um, a lot of little toys, a lot of new gadgets uh, out there on the, uh, in the exhibit halls. Um, the weather, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the weather was perfect. Because yeah, a little was... bit of rain, a little bit of heat, a little bit of chilly. Just the whole, the whole panoply of things that you would experience at, uh, at, at, uh, at uh, Oshkosh. And, um, Panopoly. Yeah, you need to get a thesaurus. Is that out. anything like polopony, polo pony? Um, <laughs> um, it's not like polyp, I'll tell you that. <laughs> James, what have you seen that you like this week? Well, uh, as I, there is so much here, but we've talked in the past. Uh, F-86. Rolling. All right. Quiet, too. As these things go, yes, very quiet. Well, remember, your head's inside headphones. Buccaneer. And a, uh, what, a L-39. Uh, L-39. 39, yeah. Okay. Well, we've talked in the past that you really don't even have to wait for the show to start to see things. People arrive early. They bring in their aircraft. And so it was even with the exhibitors this year. Things started off even before the show. That's Last true. Last Sunday, across the field with Sonics, introducing a very exciting proof of concept, a single-place jet or jet lift. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. So you characterize it as very exciting. And uh, I see, I was talking with Dave about, David, this is my measure in all things aviation, all right? You know, because, because as they say, David will fly anything, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. So this Sonics jet is a kind of an interesting idea, but is it is it cooked yet? Is it? It's, it's not, it's not no. done baking, no. Well, they've got to fly it, uh, which would be a good first start. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, you now, know, now what they've the done is taken... had a great airplane that nobody paid attention to until it showed up in Europe. Ah, okay. That's a good and, comparison. Uh, the, uh, the, the bottom line is that even for Mikey to fly it, Dave, 
<laughs> you know, I'm going to eat the life cereal. I'm going to fly the weird airplane. So what they've uh, apparently I need to see it. I need to see it. Uh, uh, Put through its paces by somebody else for a little right. while first. Well, they, they make no bones about it. It's proof of concept. The engine is still under development. They were working with somebody who has since moved on, so they need a, a new ECU engine control unit. Uh, it's not made for transcontinental flying. This is something that they're designed just to have fun with, get up in the air for an hour, buzz about, do aerobatics in a jet. And it is so spirit of EAA that they just build this little aircraft and they're they're showing it off and it might fly, they think it will, and they're trying new things, and that's great to see, especially in this environment. Right, not, right. Not to be much, a, a, a Grinch in all this, but what happened to the electric airplane that they were showing here? Where they're working on it, I guess. I, I wasn't covering that one, so I can't give you the complete update. So uh, what else have we seen this week? The uh... Well, we had A380 here. We had Eve, that's White Knight 2. Uh, we had uh, a, an updated C5 with new high-bypass engines in it. They're up to what, uh, M now, right? Yeah, they're up to C5 Mike. Uh, some new airplane designs here, some old airplane designs here. The Light Sport Maw was all set up in a new place all its own. They had about 17 or 18 planes there, including a couple that are here for the first time or had existed in another incarnation and have been reborn mm -hmm. anew yeah. under the light sport rule. So, I'm not uh, sure if we've heard the official uh, numbers yet, but uh, the crowds here were really outstanding this week. Um, the one of the the sort of unofficial you know measures that I go by is how many airplanes are in the North 40, how many campers are in Camp Scholar, and both of those measures were just just packed. So. Uh, James was trying to say something, and Jeb's mic is out again here, so if someone can look into that. Well, I was just going to say, uh, obviously, we love the airplanes, but we all realize it's about the people behind them often and the people here. And something new for me that's been, been going on for a long time that I got a chance to observe and spend some time with is the international visitors. There's more than 2,000 people from around the world that register to come here, that are registered here from more than 60 nations. And yeah. I spent a little time with some of the folks in the International Visitors Tent this year. And it's just wonderful to see how truly global the spirit of aviation is. Yeah. Once again, we're doing a little musical microphones here. Can we hear you now, Jeb? Well, I, I don't know. There you yeah. are. Okay. There we go. There we go. It was yeah. interesting getting official news from EAA people about how they had to open up new areas to aircraft parking, new areas for campers fields and acreage that they'd never opened previously, Yeah, uh, that they were doing a mad rush to get some spaces mowed and be able to put people there. Uh, the car parking, the car parking, I'd never heard of it filling up to the point where they couldn't take any. I was wondering about that, so it did. That, that happened late in the show. Uh, the North 40 and South Acres aircraft camp areas were closed to additions Monday morning. Uh-huh, yeah. And I think people stayed longer. Usually by the weekend you start seeing the North 40 empty out. I think people just, whatever's going on, they didn't want to leave. They wanted to max out on it, experience every last moment. Well, sitting over at a little uh, social soiree in a hangar uh, on the north side of 927 a couple of nights ago, there was a steady stream of departing traffic. There was an almost equally steady stream of arrivals. On Friday evening, people coming in, there were holes they could get parked in. Uh, there's been a lot of swap out through the week, but the net is Sunday morning, 
the day when you drive in and it's kind of depressing because you see more empty acreage than you've seen in the last eight or nine days. It's less empty than I've ever seen it yeah. for the last day of the show. Yeah. More airplanes here. Oh, there's still a bunch of airplanes here. Yeah, and, the, uh, and you'll see some arrivals today, you know, people coming in just for the day, whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's mass exodus time. Yep. We've got a beautiful widgeon and uh, goose preparing to go now. <laughs> Yeah, there's about, uh, what do we got? Turbine goose. It's a turbine goose. I wonder, there, there was a conversation on the radio station last night, I, I'm sure it was pre-recorded, um, about a, um, an all-fiberglass, uh, I think it was an albatross, um, and uh, how the guy had, had uh, built this from basically from scratch, created the molds, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it was here on the site. I think it was parked right over here. We, right we had a story about a guy that yeah. built a reproduction a replica of a, an italian amphib yeah this was a grumble that uh that had been kind of he improved on the structure some to make it more suitable for rough water use but uh the level of creativity here is just as high as ever yeah oh, jeb yeah. as as the world's newest seaplane pilot <laughs> you, you've been looking at uh, at air venture with a slightly different eye this year I have. what kinds of things along those lines have you seen well i i've all of a sudden, I kind of placed myself in the market for uh, a lightweight amphibian. Uh, and there's a lot of choices out here. I'm, I'm focusing mainly on an, uh, an LSA type. Um, but uh, And I kind of had been looking at that market for some time. But uh, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of choices there, from uh, store-bought, uh, ready-to-go, to kit-built, to even experimental if, if I wanted to go that route. Did I remember to tell you about that ad that I saw posted on the board? You did tell okay. me about it, and uh, if, if it's still there when I walk by this afternoon, I might just take it with me. Okay. Uh, an ad for, uh, I think it was a CA-701, something like that. Yeah. Uh, still got a bunch of airplanes out here. The uh, Ford Tri-Motor is uh, lining up. Uh, it's about number four, I guess, right now. And uh, the Breezer, here's the Breezy. I love yeah. the Breezy. I I've never ridden in the Breezy, but I want to do that someday. I've never done that either. That would be fun. The Breezy, like today, especially. Breezy is a full-blown uh, open uh, tube frame aircraft. You sit right out in the air, uh, front and back seating. The pilot sits right up in the front. We talked about this on the podcast. Didn't we have a Breezy pilot on the oh, podcast at one point? And, uh, a couple years ago, I think, yeah. I overheard a lady talking to her husband. They were getting ready to come out here, and he's like, I want to go, let's go fly the Breezy. Let's get set up. And she's going, as soon as you explain to me why they call it the Breezy. It was obvious to me that she hadn't seen it. She'd never seen a picture of it, no. Yeah. I want to know how, though, uh, so the pilot is is right up front. I mean, the pilot, If I've never sat in the front seat, but I envision that the pilot sees none of the structure of the aircraft in your field of view. Only what's down underneath his feet. And so I wonder how, I guess after you've flown it for a while, you get better at judging, you know, angle of attack and deck angle and so forth. But uh, anyways, uh, joining us now on the deck, if we can hear him, never, you never know, uh, is our friend Rick Reynolds. Say something, Rick. Testy. Test yeah, there we go. Hi. It's working. Let's get it really, really close. Hello, hello, hello. There we can go. Yeah, you can hear yeah. you. And just right. speak up for you. us. Speak up for us. So uh, Rick is our boss, uh, Dave and my boss here this week uh, during the fly-in uh, at AirVenture today. And James's. And James, of course, that's right. And uh, Jeb. Jeb. Jeb used to be Jeb's boss, but Jeb escaped. And <laughs> well... You never know what will happen next. Oh. It, I got a feeling Rick's got some information because he's got his notebook out and he just came from now, the boss's briefing. Uh -huh. now, now, that, oh. now that Dave has the job, Jeb suddenly wants it back again. Right? Well, no, no, here's the deal. From all accounts, 
Dave's done a magnificent job this week as managing editor on AirVenture today. You're here. And I suspect that as a result of that, uh, I'm old I'm old news. I'm yesterday's news. <laughs> so more power to him. Um, um, you know, you've got to go with the flow. Yeah. Rick, how did the fly-in go from your perspective? I thought it went great. Uh, you look at any measure, or, you know, first of all, nobody got hurt. It was very safe. Yeah. Um, but... You know, working with the crew that we have, uh, it makes my job a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I have to say. What were the big stories from your perspective? My perspective? Well, when Livingston Taylor came into the <laughs> came into the, the newsroom and played us a song, that was to me that was my personal highlight. That's uh, great. That's, that's, that's a life highlight for me. Uh-huh. But since this was an aviation show, it wasn't air guitar, was it? No, it was oh, not. Oh, okay. Actually, Livingston, uh, and he, he went came and performed. What kind of airplane is that? Twin Beach. Twin Beach. That's yeah. the one I was think, talking about earlier, the highly polished uh, sheet metal on it. Oh, okay. Isn't that the one Mickey Rooney and Buddy Hackett flew in? It's a mad, 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 mad world. world. Right through the <laughs> highway sign. That's right. Are we saying that's the actual airframe or just the model? Uh, just, just the model. Model. Right. Oh, okay. Model. I got excited uh, there for a second. Have you guys talked about the sight enhancements at all today? Because we did on the first podcast, yeah. but tell us your perspective on that and what well, do you, how you think it all worked out. It's almost like, why, why hadn't they done this years, right. years, years right. ago? I agree. It was uh, just getting around and having the having the uh, pedestrian only areas uh-huh. and everything. I mean, I'll, everyone I'll, I've talked to, I'll, I'll, mostly I walked this week, but I did grab a golf cart yesterday and tool around a little bit. And uh, I was outside the the restricted area, as it were. But uh, I found it just incredibly difficult to drive a cart around that area, um, not even in the center of the of the site. Because of all the people, sure. and yeah. I don't remember having that kind of trouble in the past. So, uh, the site improvements have definitely helped. They've definitely made a lot of sense and have improved the site. But there was a bunch of people here this oh. week. Man. I it, I've been this is my tenth convention, ninth year, and it's it's by far the most people I've ever seen on the field. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we've got to take another break here. Uh, quickly, though, let me say that for those of you listening live on EA Radio or on the Internet stream, we'd love to have you listen to our podcast every week. You can check out our website at uncontrolledairspace.com or search for us in the iTunes store. And remember, it's free. And remember that you don't need an iPod to listen to podcasts. You can listen on any portable music player or on your laptop or desktop computer. Hey, we'll be Say back. Doggy auger, You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. What is a doggy auger anyway? This is Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. <laughs> so we're back. Uh, Jeb is never, ever going to live down this doggy auger thing. Doggy auger, doggy auger, doggy auger, doggy auger. I am we so, just, so mistreated. <laughs> we just had the uh, the Ford Trimotor is climbing out right now. He's out uh, getting up there ready to turn crosswind. There's a, uh, I believe it's a 172, 182 uh, behind it, a Mooney behind that. Uh, what is that, like a 120 or a 140? It's just lifting Looks like off. like a 140. Just lifting off and uh, just a steerman in position getting and, ready to go. And, and, and not a PT-17, something older than that. There goes the steerman. You might be able to... Here, it's engine. That's great. Awesome. So what they have to say at the brief, boss? Not a lot. There's two things happening today that, we, uh, that I have to worry about. One is the memorial wall ceremony at 11, and then uh, Tom's got his wrap-up at 1230. 
I got I got AJ working on a piece for Dunham last night, uh -huh. and uh, then it's cleanup time. There you go. All right. Speaking no no of, word on numbers yet. Uh, well, uh, what Dick said this morning says you can probably imagine it's it's a the attendance has uh, exceeded last year. Okay. They will not, they'll have numbers. That uh, it would have been a surprise to hear otherwise. Yeah. Right. That. Right, and I, I, apparently Dunham was as big or bigger than last year, yeah. as far as you know, ten thousand plus. Yeah, I, wow. I drove by there at uh, around five thirty in the afternoon. I mean, this thing didn't start. To, well, his opening act didn't go on until like seven or eight o'clock. Right. And uh, five thirty in the afternoon, theater in the woods was already overflowing with people waiting for the show. You know, and it's Incredible. nice to come to an event like this and see talk by wire. <laughs> talk by wire. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a remotely controlled. Remotely controlled conversation. On stage partner, that's right, yeah. Exactly. When you um, have both sides of the conversation going on for yourself, you never lose an argument. Yes, you do. No, you don't. <laughs> Take your pills, Dave. <laughs> Rick, I know you got to run off to yes. uh, all your re remaining responsibilities. Anything else before you go? Uh, just one thing. Uh, you guys are basically off the clock now, correct? Yes. All right, who's got my gator key? Not me. <laughs> sorry, no. sorry. My my my, uh, my moped. Me, who's got my uh, scooter? I hung the I key up one. this morning. I've got that one. Hand it over. <laughs> I'm going to use it. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. Busted. I need one too. It's two blocks. Thank but you. I got to run somewhere. So. Right. Thank you, Rick. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you in the meantime. We'll see you next year. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So what else is going on out here? We. Uh, Oh, here's one of my favorite planes, a, uh, oh, I want to say a Mohawk, is that what it's called? OV-1, OV-10, whatever it's called, Mohawk, yeah. Yeah, the uh, twin turboprop uh, uh, observation plane from, uh, what, late Vietnam Warrior? Vietnam Warrior, yeah, yeah kind of a bug-eyed bug insect-looking airplane. It's purpose-built. Yeah. What do we got down here? I'm getting pointed at. They're towing that B-25. Oh, yeah, yeah, look at that. Yeah. It's going to come right in front of us in a few minutes. Maybe we'll get a good look at what's going on here. See if there's anything hanging off of it or something. Joining us now on the deck, uh, another great friend of ours. He's been with us uh, at least once in the past. Uh, uh, from uh, Hal Shevers is here. Hal from Sporty's Pilot Shop. He is the uh, director of turbine operations over there. And uh, That's my retirement job. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> You know, I, also, moved the oh, stock, the uh, I moved the stock on to the next generation. I, I'm just an employee. And uh, when our uh, chief pilot left to uh, go fly uh, Gulf Streams for Procter & Gamble, I, I, I want that job. So now you're the full-time <laughs> citation pilot for Sporties? Yeah, as much as we fly. We only fly about 300 hours a year. Oh, my gosh. It's a fun retirement job. Great. Yeah. So you how many it. round trips have you made between Appleton and home this week? Five. Five. Wow. Jay, rotating people and material in and out on every trip. Exactly. It's mainly people. Uh, the material, we're, uh, we run up by UPS or FedEx. Yeah. So this really is a great example of, of uh, an aircraft in the, in, in the service of the business that owns it. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, to have somebody up here for the entire week uh, answering questions, it, it's tough work. So we switch everybody out uh, halfway through, or uh, anyhow, some people were here at the very beginning. They're back up here now uh, to close up. Yeah, well, yeah. For the for the for the one or two listeners who don't know, I should mention that Hal is also, oh by the way, the founder and chairman of Sporty's Pilot Shop, and uh, and we're thrilled to have you up here. You know, Sporty's is kind of synonymous with general aviation in many ways, and I'm wondering how th how the show went for you and for Sporty's. What what did you pick up on this year? Well, it's very interesting. Coming into last year, it was obvious we were going into a financial crisis. And it was obvious uh, we're up here last year uh, 
and you could just feel it. You knew it was coming, and uh, we, but our sales this year, I don't think the public had realized it, and our sales up here last year actually were very good. They're back to the same this year. It's just encouraging. It's phenomenal. And with the Great. attendance up, the number of airplanes up, uh, it's spectacular. I think we're coming out of this economic crisis uh, fast, uh, maybe as fast as we went into it. Great. And I'm a little, I'm a little uh, disappointed that the uh, second in command, the Chevers in charge, isn't with you this morning. Well, the Chevers in charge, uh, she and about uh, one hour uh, is flying Cincinnati to Boston in order to catch a flight to Paris oh so that she can be in Vienna to meet some other people at an appropriate time. Let's go with her. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Given the choice of Oshkosh or, or Paris, I still think I'd pick Oshkosh. Well, kind of. as, long as, it's, as long as I can pick Paris outside when Le Bourget is running, yeah. Paris is a lovely place. <laughs> yeah. So what else is going on here this week? Are we, you know, they towed the B-25 by us. Did you guys take a look I, at it? I got it? a good look at this, at the uh, port side of it. I didn't see anything missing. I All thought, the big parts are still attached. I thought I saw a screw missing on one side. Uh, <laughs> that's what it I was. was. I was kind of looking to see if there was an oil stain on the cell or something like that, but I didn't see anything. Couldn't see the right side. Yeah. But how, how outside the, your business you do here at the show, what's the sense you get of how people are flying and, and, and what kind of activity there is out in the community. Well, things have definitely slowed down. Absolutely. But uh, I can see now they'll come back. They're, uh, I mean, we're on the way back uh, now. I think uh, we bottomed out in February, and things have been increasing uh, a little bit ever since then. And we've had to cut back on some expenses. And uh, But uh, I'm very much encouraged. I was scared. In December, January, sure. February. A lot, of, a lot of uncertainty out there. But now uh, you can see it's coming back. Now, Hal, you have also a residential airport development. Uh, we did see the new Sandy's administrator. Farm. We did see the new administrator here this year, which was great to welcome uh, Randy Babbitt, our new FAA administrator. One of the subjects that came up was through the fence operations. Now, you, I believe, have a through the fence operation there. The FAA has talked about kind of keeping their pedal to the metal about trying to stop these through-the-fence operations. What, what's your sense of that? What's, what's that all about? Can we change that? Because from a personal perspective, I think we need to get more through-the-fence operations, get more people onto airports. James, you're absolutely right. The airports in Ohio, the one we're on in uh, particular, uh, these were built in order to attract industry and through-the-fence operations. As soon as you get something going and uh, the airport's on a good economic basis, uh, the next thing you know, the FAA's there. And they want to step in. They want total control. The real answer is, uh, with a fly-in community like we have, uh, we've got people on the airport all the time. They know what should be happening, what should be happening. It's wonderful for security. As a matter of fact, we have an eighty or $90,000 uh, security bill, a uh, private service we use uh, every night. And uh, I see where that's at least going to partially end shortly and maybe completely end when we've sold 10 or 15 houses at Sandy's Farm. Yeah, I really think you put your finger on it. The, the, 
Having more people on the airport makes the airport more secure, not less secure. Yeah. Having people who are invested in the airport and people who live on or near the airport, people who uh, spend their days at the airport, all those things make it more secure, not less. Hal, and it's crazy to me that the FAA discourages that kind of thing. Hal, is it your understanding that their concern is strictly security or, or is it uh, to do with... Uh, just a general policy of not uh, promoting residential development in and around an airport. Well, once again, it goes to some bureaucrat somewhere has made the decision they want total control. The real answer is, and I used, made the word and uh, said the word investment before, this is why we have what we have at the Claremont County Sporties Airport, where all these buildings and hangars are actually on private property with a through the fence to the taxiway system. As a result, people put up better, uh, better type uh, facilities. Uh, they know uh, they're not going to have to turn it over to the county right. in 20 years right. or in some cases 30 years. So they not only build better, they maintain better. And you've been to our airport, James. Uh, you've seen how nicely we keep it. And actually, the county's got a very good deal. We run the airport for them and, uh, at no charge. That's good, and, yeah. uh if the FAA gets their way, well, which they'd like to see at our airport, that we'd have to split up and uh, there'd be a separate contract for airport management and a separate contract for the FBO. And uh, we welcome another FBO. We especially are looking for flying clubs. We'd love the more flying clubs we can get out of our airport, the happier we are. But the county now realizes uh, they're going to have to spend $400,000 a year to maintain our airport. And we do it for them for free. Huh. That's a no-brainer. Is there, is there a difference in the attitude of the FAA when discussing through the fence for industrial versus residential? Uh, I don't think so. I think they just don't want anybody coming through the fence. And, you know, one of the things they say is you're not contributing anything to the airport. That <laughs> uh, They're not paying anything. Yeah. Well. A matter of fact, if you let's take a home that uh, a guy recently uh, bought. Uh, this fellow retired in Frederick, Maryland. I think I know who I, you're I, talking I'm about. <laughs> he's yeah. paying he's paying twelve thousand dollars a year in property taxes. Now, I think that's uh, helping the airport. The county's very happy to have that money. Absolutely. You know that that canard about aviation not contributing to the public good came up back uh, several presidents when they had uh, an office of management and budget do a study. There was an argument over how much public contribution to the FAA operations there should be. And the study came out and said, well, there's no public benefit from aviation. So there shouldn't be any public contribution. And we, we kind of stopped and after we got our jaws up off our desk, what planet do these people live on? Right. right. You know, between law enforcement, public safety, life saving, the businesses, Public benefit runs really deep, but there always seems to be a convenient argument when they want to change the rules. Hey, we're out here on the second floor, uh, second floor deck of EAA Radio. Uh, we're going to be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. He tried every restaurant in town, but no one would serve Dave Higdon gooey duck. Welcome back to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. <laughs> Earlier in the week, 
Furry told us that he had been run out of time and wasn't able to create a bunch of these uh, these intros for us, but he apparently lied. he's been busy throughout the rest of the week. So uh, he lied. Uh, very very cool. Back here on uh, the AA Radio's upper deck at uh, Whitman Field in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, watching the airplanes take off to the south. Actually, it's got a little quiet. Look at this. Is not well, quite. they got the they got the uh, backlog out. We got a looks like a Stinson, I think, rolling on the runway. Uh, uh, Cessna 180, 185 on, on rolling behind him. And I'm not sure what that is on the Amphib floats there. Um, maybe a... a it, that's not an Airmaster, is it? it? I don't think so. It might be. There's one like that in, uh, in Sarasota, actually. Uh, an Airmaster on Amphib floats. It's not a 195. It's not a 195. I'm no. not sure what that is. But big cantilevered wing, Amphib floats, big round engine, red airplane. It's yeah. nice and breezy, is uh, making flights, taking people up while this is all going on and coming right back in, yeah. not interfering with traffic at all. Yep. So what else is uh, some news this week? Uh, I think we talked for a few minutes earlier in this podcast about the administrator, so we got a chance to meet the new administrator here, and uh, I did not get to attend, but uh, and James, I believe you did. Yes. Uh, but in in general, what do we all think about the new new administrator? Is this going to work out? Is uh, I. I I would think it's partly going to, or a great deal, be determined by the policies of the administration. Typically, the FAA administrator is charged with putting those policies through. There are still the issues of user fees. There's through the fence. There are all of these issues that have to be determined. And I think everybody's kind of feeling their way forward on that. It has not been a great focus of attention this year because I think it's been superseded by the economy. Well... The, a lot of people have expressed relief that the new administrator is, in fact, pilot, where the last two were not. Does that really make a difference? Yeah. I believe it does. Yeah. Yeah. i got to believe it does. If for no other reason, then there's a greater credibility when someone like the administrator goes before a bunch of pilots, as, as he did earlier this week at Oshkosh. And it shows a faith from the top to appoint someone who's a pilot instead of, well, let's get a bureaucrat. Well, it's, and it's it, usually an easy box to check. Uh, and why the previous two presidents did not check that box is, is unknown. But um, uh, Randy Babbitt's been around uh, the FAA and uh, Washington for a number of years. Uh, he, I think he's a very good choice. The main thing, though, I think that Randy, uh, or I should say the administrator, uh, is going to be involved with over the short term is the agency's atrocious relations with its employees, Yeah. specifically the, the air traffic controllers. Uh, under under the previous uh, uh, administrator, um, uh, some, they were some, as bad as they'd yeah, ever been since bad, Reagan. As, as bad as they'd ever been since since eighty one and the Patco strike, and um, hopefully uh, we can get uh, uh, some of this put behind both parties and, and move into the next uh, uh, next phase. But um, uh, he's got a lot of other things on his plate as as. Uh, as James uh, correctly noted, uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping my uh, my powder dry. He was he, he he was encouraging to from my perspective, uh, listening to the uh, to the appearance that he made, reading uh, a one-on-one interview that he did with some EAA people. Uh, he he gives the answers that the aviation community wants to hear, and he doesn't equivocate. Well, and he doesn't couch him in maybe this and maybe that or, well, yeah, we've looked at that and we'll continue to study that. And you know that it's just, you know, uh, so much Bravo Sierra. Uh, user fees. He, he, 
He's not supportive of the idea, and he turns the argument right around and says, when you have a downturn like this, user fee suffers as well. So that's not the solution that they claim it is. Uh, on next gen, uh, got a lot of money to spend, got a lot of work to do, uh, and knows he seems to know and, and, and uh, uh, articulate that in the sense that just changing the technology isn't going to improve the system. They've got to be procedures that embrace the new technology, that take advantage of what it does better than the old stuff, and you need runway capacity to make it all work at the end of the day at the uh, pacing airports. So uh, I'm like Jeb. I've, I've been <laughs> I've been kissed and never called back before. Uh, <laughs> AM radio, David. AM radio. <laughs> James, uh, you were actually present for at least a portion of the uh, Meet the Administrator session the other day. Yes. Th that crowd from year to year is notoriously frank about its feelings, uh, and particularly in the question sessions. How would you characterize the crowd's reaction to him the other night? Well, again, I left right before the Q&A because we had to write up uh, for the right. next day's paper. His deadlines. remarks, deadlines, that's that the way it is. But uh, when you start off addressing the crowd and with your at AirVenture, with your EAA membership number, you certainly start out with them in your in your pocket and on your side. He has a good low number too, doesn't he? It's uh, I think it starts with a six. Oh, okay, that's a good number. Yeah, that's a good number. It's yeah, mine. my number's better. But yeah. okay, I, I was there for the tail end of it, and, he, and several things he said were well, well received. Um, but I think there was a healthy skepticism. Um, um, We've all been lied to before um, by the FAA, by the administrator, in the Meet the Administrator session. And uh, Somebody's all, checking their EAA yeah, number. Hell Shevers now checking out, and I bet it's very, very low. What is that? Uh, it starts uh, with a two. Mr. Shevers starts with a two. Yeah, but is it a 200,000 or a 20,000? No, it's not a 20,000. 200,000. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good number. That's very good. That's a good number. number. Mine's in the high three hundred thousands, but that's that's a very good number. Okay. Uh, Hal is probably responsible for a lot more people joining the EAA than all of us put together about twenty times over through his various works over the years. Young Eagles. Jeb and and the administrator apparently joined the EAA about approximately the same time. So, hey, during the You're break. You're that old. <laughs> Dang. During the break, Hal handed me a, a, a flyer for the uh, Sporties Foundation, and uh, I've been leafing through it here and reminding myself of all the great things that it's involved with. Tell us a little about the foundation and what it's about and, and where it's going. Well, the bottom line is uh, if we don't have a freshman class uh, in just four years, there'll be no graduates. And we need to bring people into aviation. The right people, get them started at a young age, give them a chance to get in, let them find out about it. So it's very strong in that way. We support, obviously, aviation exploring, the Boy Scouts merit badge uh, pamphlet we've written, uh, rewritten twice now over the last several years. Uh, we're, uh, we do some support to Purdue University's flight program, University of Cincinnati. We have a, uh, a pair of T-28s that are just rolling out now in front of us. That's what the run-up noise you heard a moment ago. They're rolling down the runway in formation, getting ready to rotate and uh, head off to the south. And you probably on the radio cannot feel that wonderful low-level... That rumble that kind of beats rumble. your chest. It's I know, it's wonderful. great, huh? Sorry, Hal, we interrupted you. Oh, watching them take off is a lot more interesting than the Sporties <laughs> Foundation. But anyhow, the, the big thing we're getting into now is the Next Step program with the Young Eagles. 
Uh, instead of just having a uh, Young Eagles uh, ride, and that's the end of it, uh, we've been giving the Young Eagles for years now a cockpit poster, but now they get a logbook. We want the uh, pilot who flew them to sign the logbook, get the kids started on it. We want to, not the traditional logbook. We hope they'll use it to log anything they've done the way of aviation, like going to the Air Force Museum or uh, cool. Smith. Anywhere, uh, if they take an airline flight, log it. Just anything in the way of aviation, Great use it idea. as a diary. They're also, the, and this is the biggie, after that ride uh, through EAA, they'll, uh, we're giving them a key of how to take Sporty's uh, complete course on the web. It's got to be web. And it's the same course. We're giving them the private pilot course for free. Wow. Absolutely free, and it's the same course... Uh, we sell for a couple hundred dollars. We want these kids to get started, get started right. Uh, this course isn't just to pass the written examination. Our course is, uh, we guarantee uh, to anyone that buys it, they'll pass uh, the written, the oral, and the flight test. Wow. We've had a few people collect on it. Not many. <laughs> you know, like 10 people out of 10,000. Wow. So it's uh, working extremely well. and. Uh, these kids get it for free. We'll be tracking them. We are tracking them. See how many uh, of the uh, elements they've completed. Uh, this report's going to go back to uh, EAA up here in Oshkosh uh, sooner or later. They're advertising right now for a full-time person to work up here. We're paying for them. We're, uh, wow. we're sponsoring the, uh, the chair, and they, in turn, are going to make calls to some of the people who, uh, some of the kids that are working through this, we've had some of the kids go through the whole course already. They haven't taken the written examination or anything, but uh, they're very young, but they've gone through it. That's cool. I'll bet Daddy helped them. <laughs> and I hope so. If it uh, brings... Yeah, absolutely. How, how absolutely. do they get this? If, if a youngster out there is listening, how would they participate? Well, first of all, if you have had a Young Eagles ride, you are eligible. You'll be able to call up here very shortly when this full-time person is, uh, and when I say call up uh, electronically or on the phone, I guess the phone's electronic too, but say on the <laughs> phone or the web. <laughs> and uh, they'll be able to uh, get a, uh, they'll give them a number so they can unlock the course. Great. Well, and so, I noticed that uh, the Sporties Foundation, I like this line, a variety of causes but one mission, and beyond the Young Eagles, the uh, support that uh, the Sporties Foundation's provided gone out to the Aircraft Electronics Association, and these, I think, are all for educational purposes, aren't they not? What they really are now is uh, to get people, Electronics Association, Women in Aviation, uh, the scholarships we're giving now are specifically to be used to get a recreational pilot's license or sport. If they want to do the sport, that's absolutely fine. Boy Scouts of America, Build a Plane, my buddy Lynn Freeman's operation. Uh, Kent State Precision Flight Team, Purdue, University of Cincinnati. Uh, that's a lot of different directions to help seed that next graduating class. That's pretty cool. Well, you can see last year we gave away, what, says there $151,000, 151355 And uh, we hope we can uh, raise more money and do things uh, of this sort, but it's mainly to bring people into aviation. And I bet flying. that people that listen to this might uh, be able to find uh, information on sportiesfoundation.org about it. Might they you? sure can. Yeah. Uh, a couple minutes ago, we were teasing Jeb about uh, his uh, his uh, uh, 
EAA member number, and then he whipped out his new pilot certificate, was waving around his little seaplane endorsement new, thing. Yes. So uh, <laughs> uh, he got the last word on that one. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we'll be back. You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. This is Randy Babbitt, the FAA Administrator. When I'm not out having a chance to fly a glider, I'm home listening to EAA Radio. Dave, Jeb, and Jack. They are so popular, they stopped returning Bert Rutan's phone calls. This is Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. That's just an ugly lie. We, yes, yeah. yes. Not Bert Rutan even bother to call us. <laughs> you know. uh, more and more activity going on out here. Uh, we've got a, uh, what's that, a 180 maybe? Uh, 180. A 180 uh, in position, getting ready to go out to the south. The trimotor is coming. The trimotor is just back and forth. All between the trimotor and the and the uh, and the breezy, that would be your basic normal busy airport on a Sunday morning all by themselves. I think we've got uh, a couple of the air show performers repositioning their airplane yep. for the uh, daily air show, and few, there's still a daily air show today. That's right. A few minutes a few minutes ago during the break, we saw the EAA B17 landing up on the uh, east-west runway to our left. And uh, it's just, I mean, geez, do we have to do a podcast? Let's just stand here and watch the airplanes. Well, there you it's, go. Uh, there you uh, go. So one of the big airplanes that appeared here this week uh, that was, uh, I guess, I mean, you can't call it the headliner because there were a lot of awesome yeah. airplanes, but certainly the the biggest airplane of the week. The heavyweight. Was the Airbus uh, uh, A380. A380. I knew that. The biggest, uh, biggest civilian airplane. And boy, oh boy, it yeah. was a big airplane. Uh, it was. The, I meant the biggest airplane here this week, but uh, C5. would you characterize the C5 as bigger? It's the world's largest airliner. Yeah. Anyways, the uh, A380 was a very, very big airplane. When it arrived uh, a few you know, back earlier in the week, uh, the crowd was expecting its arrival, and we were all standing out in the flight line watching uh, anxiously. And suddenly, we saw it in the distance, and it, you know, I mean, it's hard to judge size when they're way off over the lake there. But as it started to get closer, you started to get a sense of how big this airplane really was. Well, there were. There was a tribe of druids on the far side of Lake Winnebago. <laughs> yeah. And when it blotted out the sun, they started building bonfires and doing their... It may well not be a joke. It, it was is a portable overcast. <laughs> That's right. A portable overcast. Very, very big airplane. And it came into the area, and it did a handful of flybys. It did some interesting uh, air work in front of us, uh, some uh, some uh, slow flight, uh, which actually looks a little scary to me. I mean, maybe it's just an optical illusion where the well, size and all. It was down to 140 knots. Yeah. And and then it does some interesting uh, high, high deck angle uh, uh, climbs and uh, just some interesting maneuvers. A uh, very, very interesting airplane. The one controversial thing thing that happened and and I've never been pilot in command landing at Oshkosh uh, during this week. Uh, I've been passenger many times uh, and I've read about people who have been uh, pilot in command landing at Oshkosh and it is a stressful moment because the whole world is watching and uh, That's right. you know some landings are better than others. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the pilot in command of the A380, uh, had, he had a serious crosswind to contend with. Um, because he could only land on the north-south runway, he had to deal with this crosswind that was pretty strong, pretty much straight across the runway. And so he was coming down on short final with a big crab angle. Um, I was in a position not to see him touch down on the runway, but I saw him on short final, and I thought, wow, that's a big crab angle. And, and that's going to be neat to see, because he's going to get down to the last few feet, and he's going to kick it over and land straight, and it's going to be beautiful. But he did. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Uh, God bless him, but he had a little moment uh, he, as he arrived. He got it straightened out, just like you're supposed to, and yeah. it was 
headed for a nice, sweet, soft touchdown. But anybody that's ever arrived here in a strong westerly wind and landed on 1-8 has experienced the bottomless pit of Oshkosh. There's a hill, there's a rise to the west of the arrival end of runway 1-8. Mm -hmm. The harder it blows from the west, the deeper the black hole. And it affects everything from ultralights to A380s. I didn't know that. Okay. So the guy got down into the shadow of the wind where he didn't need that crab angle anymore. And the bottom just fell out. Mm -hmm. So he left, a, he, he left some extra rubber on the <laughs> runway for the next guy to be soft one. Yeah, he landed kind of firmly, did a little swerve. He, uh, the wings flex. I, can't, I haven't heard well, from anybody. You know, whether I've the, heard about a lot the about wing that, flexes by design, right? They move by design. Yeah, that's right. That's when that puppy lifts off, those things flex up, flex up about six feet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can. You're good. Are you, are you hearing me? Okay. Yeah. You just weren't quite loud the, enough. Uh, yeah. The wings did flex. Um, you know, normally they wouldn't. Uh, they didn't. They didn't break off. They're. They're not. You know, irretrievably deformed or anything like that. Uh, there was a big controversy that uh, uh, someone had publicly labeled that an ugly landing. Um, <laughs> It was pretty ugly. <laughs> well, our, our, I've seen better. <laughs> our good friend Randy Defoe, friend of the show and colleague here at AirVenture, got to go up and do an interview in the plane up on the second deck that was closed to the public and says there are in all sorts of recording devices and video yeah. cameras placed all over that. So I'm sure they've already been doing an extensive reconstruction of what happened. Well, the flight data recorder was recording it. Uh, the flight over from Toulouse was a, a, a flight test flight. Uh -huh. uh, because that's a flight test article. It will right. never fly in revenue service. Right. Uh, it's instrumented. It's got water tanks to, for ballast to huh. change to CG. Uh, when Airbus starts working on different engine incarnations, they'll put one on the wing and fly with the three that they've got and test the new engine. Uh, but when an airplane that big unloads its wings, the wings drop. Now, if you happen to have a little more vertical velocity than you normally would, <laughs> they're going to flex a little bit any other way. Well, we love them being here. We hope this doesn't uh, dissuade them from a future visit. Right. Yeah. I hear the only thing they were discouraged by was the lack, the lack of escargot. <laughs> well, they sure made up for it when they left. I mean, oh, they really did. He made the short field takeoff and uh, gave us a demonstration like they do at Farnborough or Paris. Exactly that. Yeah. It was, hey, you and I had talked on the phone just a few minutes before. I believe you were out behind Hangar D, and you asked, you know, do you know when the A380 is leaving? And they'd already moved the airplane. We were kind of down into any minute mode. It's going to be out of here. And it gave us about a 15-minute display that, you know, just stops traffic. Well, vis-a-vis -vis the crosswind it had to contend with, that brings up another subject because the day that it was just before it uh, arrived, we saw another aircraft that we have not had a chance to talk about yet, White Knight 2, yeah, which was going out for a demonstration, and they chose to go over to runway 27 to deal with that, yeah. or to not have to deal with that. And... Uh, came by and put on a beautiful show and that's uh, an incredible aircraft that we're also privileged to have here and privileged to see not only arrive and depart but got to do see during two flybys yeah now, what would happen if we got an adam aircraft and eve together <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about white knight too uh what would what people think about it uh, I'd, I'd never seen it before it's it's that's when, a big it's kind of gangly, isn't it? Yeah, when, when Tom Poberesny was on the podcast about a month ago, uh, he mentioned that we were going to be surprised when we actually saw it, that it was different. Having seen White Knight 1, 
it wasn't just a bigger one. It was going to be notable. And he was right. It really was a very different kind of airplane. Um, my first impression is it is very wide. It was much wider between these two fuselages than I expected. And uh, That's that, because the capsule, that uh, the, the Spaceship 2, mm -hmm. is going to be designed to carry, I believe, five or six passengers. Six. Plus the... Plus the pilot. Plus right. crew of two. Yes, crew of two. It's going to be a substantially larger uh, uh, craft. I understand how they signed up for that. I'd love to. Oh. Uh, well, it is. It was originally envisioned by Bert as a larger version of White Knight and Spaceship One. Right. Uh, Bert didn't. This is he is uh, very forthright about. Is he did not design. This was designed by Bob Morgan and Jim Teague mm -hmm. uh, at Scaled Composites. As they looked into it, and they and of course this is a training platform as well as a launch vehicle. The I, controls are identical in White Knight Two as in Spaceship Two. So crews who are becoming pilots in command of of White Knight Two will be training with the exact same instruments. They can land with the same because of the big spoilers. They can land at the same attitude and the same steep steep approach angle as they will be subjected to coming down, gliding down to Earth in Spaceship Two. The only thing it won't do, I understand, in the flight regimen, is let M&Ms float in the air. <laughs> <laughs> now, I heard a wild story, and I don't know if this is true or not. Someone said that White Knight Two, uh, in keeping, and this is, this is actually kind of bizarre enough, you can kind of, even though Burt didn't didn't design this aircraft, it certainly is a Burt Rutan inspired aircraft, and as a result, this is not kind of totally out of the, the realm a of possibility. Theory? The th no, no, no. I, uh, I think Burt not designing this is kind of like Hal Shevers being chief pilot and not running sporties. So. Uh, okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what I heard. Well, except the director of turbine yes. I heard that if God forbid this aircraft were to break in the middle of the wings where the two fuselages join. Someone told me, wasn't it you who told me this, James? No, you're not I, making it. Someone told me that, that Bert was quoted, in, said in one of his presentations, that, that assuming it breaks with enough wing left over, the two halves can fly and land separately. I never heard that. I'd be very surprised if it was true. I'd be very surprised to hear if it that. Well, true. one thing's for sure. The left half's going to do right turns, and the right half's <laughs> going to do left turns. You would have an awful lot of asymmetric thrust with two jet engines on one side. They shut it down. Well, Dead yeah, stick. yeah, they're they're, they're going to go to minimum power and, and try to maintain control and, and get the airplanes to know, stuck down and all that kind of. Uh, which flew, flew a little ultralight here years ago, but when the rules allowed us twins. All, all I know is I don't. I want to be in the spaceship two portion when the when the wing cracks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not in either side of the okay. wing. We, we had a little. We had a little twin engine uh, ultralight called a laser. And the drill was, how do you handle a single engine landing? You shut down the other one. Yeah. Because it didn't have enough control to run straight. Whichever side died, that was the direction you were turning to. Well, let's remember, there is a solid stringer that goes through 140 feet long of the wingspan. That's the largest piece that's ever been made for a composite aircraft, made through this protrusion uh, process that they have never used before, which will enable them to make this... Uh, the structural piece of that size, and uh, I don't know what would cause that to snap in half. If it did, yeah. it would well, be uh, pretty unusual. If I, I man invents it, man can break it. Right. I, don't, I don't know if anybody got up there and close to it and got a good look at the uh, aircraft and everything. The tow bar 
had more engineering. Huh. The tow bar in it. was pretty interesting, it had, wasn't it? The tow bar had more engineering in it than a lot of the airplanes on the field. <laughs> yeah. Don't get that. If you think about it, because the tow bar had to be wide enough right. to reach these main, these nose wheels that are on these widely separated fuselages. It's and uh, a yeah. huge triangular frame. Yeah, and apparently it folded up so it wasn't yeah, always yeah. that wide. They don't but, carry uh, it in the airplane. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, they drop it in from space. They don't yeah. tuck it in, the, in behind the back seat. Well, nobody is leaving Air Venture this morning. Well, the yeah, uh, traffic is very, very quiet departing. Um, and that's just fine with me. There are, in fact, a lot more airplanes here on the final day than uh, we usually get. So uh, I just, noticed some skywriting going on now. That's yeah. our friend Suzanne Oliver, who's been doing I can't it, just sing it now, so it's uh, a little dissipating, but... Suzanne and Steve Oliver here performing. Steve performs in his chipmunk. Suzanne, his wife, does skywriting. Always a thrill to see her at work. Beautiful, beautiful morning here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. We're going to take another quick break here. Uh, one more segment. We'll be back. You're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. With leaves in his hair and lineys on his breath, it's Jack Hudson defending the New Hampshire countryside from the Green Mountain Boys. Welcome back to Uncontrolled Airspace. Welcome back. During the break, I got a text message. This is the, the wonder of the Internet. There are actually people out there listening. And I received a text message from our colleague down south from that other air show uh, down in Lakeland, Florida, uh, Dave Shellbetter, the uh, manager of the radio station down there. And he texted me. He said, uh, uh, my EA number is 2,591. Oh. That's a pretty impressive that's, number. That's pretty oh. impressive. Hey, David, how you doing down there? Off. Wish you were here, Dave, but he, maybe next year. He, he's only 19, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about departures. Hal, during the break, was hinting that he had an interesting story about uh, departures from uh, air shows or conventions. Or Tell us about that. Okay, this is uh, in April of this year at Friedrichshafen at uh, Aero, the largest uh, air show in, uh, in Europe. And uh, it's about 10% of the size of Oshkosh, <laughs> of course, and maybe 15. But anyhow, all the planes were departing, and I was up at the very top uh, row in a grandstand. Uh, with my wife, Sandy, and there was a guy there, I realized, sitting next to him and wearing gray trousers, a blue blazer, and a camera with a long lens. And he was shooting every aircraft that was taken off. And uh, I, so I, in my best English, said to him, he was obviously, I said, are you a spotter? You know, these uh, spritz mm -hmm. love to just write down these mm -hmm. N numbers or whatever, G numbers, D numbers for Deutschland. Uh, the whole bit. So smugly, after about a half hour, I wrote on one of my cards my N number of my aircraft, N705, Sierra Papa. Handed him the card and said, well, here's one you can add to your list. You didn't see the airplane, but at least you met the owner. So a few seconds later, he handed me a card with his number on it. The only <laughs> thing is when I turned the card over... I realized that this gentleman, Paul Jackson, is editor-in-chief, Jane's All-World oh. Aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> Did I feel like a fool? Well, so he, he certainly is a spotter, but a very, very specialized spotter. That's he's right. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's a, an above-average spotter. Right. An interesting uh, spotting opportunity of a departure right yeah. here. Oh, about yeah. To happen. Our buds, Jeb, our buds from the Aeroshell that's right. Aerobatics team are uh, the launch formation, right behind a uh, black and red uh, twin beach. Twin beach, yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, reaching the end of our allotted time here, uh, and... Uh, I hate when he says that. I know. Say it ain't so. We've got one more day here at the show. Uh, for starters, let's kind of uh, uh, disclose that, Jeb, you're about to take off. You aren't even going to get some more time here. You're I'm done. Gonna, I'm not going to get any more time. Once uh, we sign off here, I'm grabbing my stuff and my passenger and, and headed for the hills. Uh, going to try to make it home tonight. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. So you have to go by way of uh, Melbourne, Florida. Melbourne, Florida, drop off the passenger, and then it's maybe a 45-minute hop across the peninsula there. Now, can you, can you do Melbourne uh, nonstop? We're hoping to. The flight plan says we should have about two hours of gas on the ground at Melbourne. And what's the so weather like down in between these today? Uh, South Georgia, North Florida is pretty crummy, or will be by the time we get there, but we'll have smooth sailing uh, in between here and there, and uh, plenty of time to... Uh, plan some diversions and, uh, and execute them. Uh-huh, so yeah. I'm not too stressed about it. Yeah. James, what's on your agenda for this final day of Air Venture? Well, I'm hoping to hit some of the display hangars and see what is new out there and gather ideas and thoughts and experience that part of the show. I've had the chance to walk around and see some of the aircraft on display. That's been fantastic and talk to some of the exhibitors. But I love going and collecting those magazines and the doodads they give away. And, and I hear there are some interesting ladies from Czech Airways or something that are on display <laughs> or are helping with the display. So I'll take a look at that as well. There are a couple of displays uh, with, uh, shall I say, booth babes. Um, um, certainly, certainly worth checking out. No question about it. Um. We do, we're suddenly wrapping up quick, more quickly than I expected to. We don't need to do that. Uh, well, I will tell you... Uh, well, you haven't gotten Dutch Howard. I, oh, we're going to get there, but I suddenly realized we're zooming through these, and we don't yeah. need to do that. We've got, pl- we got a little bit of time here. Hal, you were raising well, your hand. What's up? Well, you know, our vendors, we call this vendor bonding day. Right. That's right. Because there's so few uh, customers in the halls. Uh, you know, we get to see all our suppliers. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm told by the people that sell art, this is the day they sell their artwork. Because it's the vendors that buy an oh, awful lot of the artwork. People really? who are in this business love it. And they buy it. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, uh, when they get our booth and everything closed up at about 7 or 8 o'clock tonight, uh, we have three vans headed back to Cincinnati with some college kids. We flew up here yesterday and uh, gave them uh, two days uh, here at Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, I've got 10 people on the plane going back tonight to Batavia. Wow. 8.30 tomorrow morning, Turn we'll right. all be on duty at Sporties. Wow. That's Dedication. great. Yeah. Yeah. At turning and burning it. That really is. It is. Yeah. Um, other things we that have happened here this week. Um, in the way of news, uh, Cessna announced that uh, their Skycatcher, their LSA, has uh, completed its uh, ASTM compliance. I, I confess I'm not very knowledgeable about exactly what that means. Can someone explain quickly? What well, the, the ASTM compliance is analogous to FAA certification for uh, a, uh, an LSA. The ASTM standards are what uh, uh, basically makes an LSA an LSA. Uh, aside, I should say, uh, different from uh, FAA certification, um, the ASTM wants to see uh, uh, basically self-certification uh, from the manufacturer uh, that the uh, proposed LSA has uh, uh, built, built and designed in compliance with its uh, standards. That's basically what Cessna announced this week is that uh, um, the ASTM uh, uh, verification, approval, certification, whatever word you want to apply to it, that process has been completed. Now, yeah. is that an industry 
standard or is yes. that a, a federal? Well, it's both. It's yeah. it's an industry standard. It's one that has been recognized by the FAA in, in the certification well, and, of LSA. And beyond that, the FAA changed elements of the right. different uh, FARs involved to cover those different bullet points in the ASTM compliance document. So there was some new language, and this is all found in FAR 1. And in addition, because it's a lot easier to change ATM, uh, I'm sorry, um, I forget the acronym all of a sudden. ASTM? Thank you. It's a lot easier to change ASTM standards than it is federal regulations. So it's a living document in the sense that uh, it would take the FAA maybe five years to do the same thing that ASTM could do in six months. And it took only five years to get the ASTM thing pulled together. Now, our friend Dan Johnson is involved in LSAs. Is he part of this ASTM development? Dan was part of the, uh, the development process, as was to, uh, some of the industry names like Tom Beginney. Uh, Dave Martin, who used to edit Kit Planes magazine. Sure, sure. Uh, there was very heavy representation from the uh, uh, light sport category experimental community that evolved into these. Uh, they had committees on engines, airframes, uh, amphibs, uh, avionics systems, uh, the airman standards, uh, and it went on on parallel tracks, and they met two or three times a year to update progress, take on new tasks, it really did take uh, about five years for the whole thing to come together. Once the FAA signed off on the ASTM documents, and then they went back and published uh, 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 proposed changes to the FARs to make these all match up. And we're back in the middle of a little debate about those right now over whether the time in training provided by a sport pilot instructor can be counted toward the private pilot license because the intent was for the sport pilot's flying time to be counted toward earning a private pilot's license. Mm -hmm. So we've got a little bit of a catch there. Uh, and it's not the first one. We had a little catch like that with uh, repositionable landing gear, which are not allowed on light sport aircraft. But the FAA always intended for the uh, uh, category to include amphibious aircraft. So it's hard to have an amphibious aircraft with fixed landing gear. Yes. <laughs> so it took a few months to get that nodded to agree on how to change the language for the FAA to make the changes in the FARs. Uh, the ASTM compliance document came up to, to speed. And then we had things like the Czech Mermaid. That's yeah. an amphib with repositionable, not retractable, mm -hmm. repositionable landing gear. Yeah. Well, the uh, ASTM is a very prejudiced, uh, what am I trying to say? It's been around for years and years. That's and right. It's prestigious. Uh, it used to be the American Society of Testing Materials. They've changed their name slightly in order to be able to do things like aviation. And I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, they've always known what they were doing. Yeah. Yep. ASTM International has, uh, has, has shown to the aviation community that uh, a, a consensus approach to developing industry standards can work. They've known that in other areas of industry. It's just kind of new to the, us airplane folks. So... Uh, that does make the whole process more self-regulating than the conventional type certification process. Yeah. Other stories, we're, we are getting down to the end of our allotted time now, but uh, other stories that are broken this week that we want to talk about. One that I think we're going to talk about in the coming weeks in the podcast that is very, very uh, uh, muddy and unclear right now. But uh, it did. It, there was a report, uh, a fairly loud report in the last couple of days, um, that uh, the... Uh, 
the negotiations between Alan Klapmeyer and Cirrus uh, Aviation for Alan to uh, somehow spin out or, or, or advance the uh, jet program, um, the negotiations are, are not progressing. Uh, they may no, even have broken. Open. They're over, is the They're report, out. and uh, and and there's a lot of confusion about what this really all is about and what it means. And maybe we'll get Alan back in the in the virtual hangar sometime soon. But quickly summarize what we kind of think we know at this point, and and then we'll move on. They couldn't agree to financial conditions. We know that much concrete. There's some he said, she said about whether the target changed or whether Alan was having trouble raising the money. We don't really know concretely some of the other details. We know that from both parties, Alan and the folks at Cirrus Design, that the negotiations have, have ended. Uh, that doesn't mean that they may not resume someday, although I don't look good as Papa Smurf, so I'm not holding my breath. Uh, it also doesn't mean that other players might not come out of the woodwork because there's some concern that the uh, financial demands of uh, winning type certification of the, the little jet is uh, taxing Cirrus's financial resources, yeah. and that so wouldn't be a first. More on that story as we learn more. Right. Uh, talking about things that we want to accomplish before we leave. Hal, I didn't give you, you were talking a little bit about some of the operation stuff with getting your, your booth folks home, but uh, anything here you ha haven't missed and want to uh, catch before you leave the grounds? Well, the most exciting uh, dinner that I was to this week, lunch and dinner with was uh, the award ceremony for the young people for young eagles flyers the people who flew the young eagles at that dinner there were three guys who have flown over 1500 young eagles wow. one of them wow. did it in the Cessna 150 wow. so that means 1500 hours of flying so uh, it was uh, really uh, it was the best dinner I was to these people are philanthropists in their own right giving all these young eagles rides and now with the next step uh, Tom uh, and I uh, we're just looking we think it's the right track to get more young people interested and they have a place to go now before they solo at 14 in a glider <laughs> there you that's go. great. That's great. Yeah. Standing. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta find the ICOM booth because I want to talk to them about maybe getting my old uh, handheld repaired, and I'm gonna go visit Pioneer Airport. Come. I want to see everything I haven't seen all week. Yeah, which that's right. Is gonna which, be, which is gonna be tough. Well, I figure if I slice it into nice, clean, succinct. 30-second <laughs> You're going to need a jet-propelled golf cart. Well, right? I'm going down for the Martin Jet Pack right now. And, uh, <laughs> it's definitely time to stick a fork in this one. We want to get, send out some thanks to uh, Farid Gio and to the entire gang here at EAA Radio. Uh, they were, have been wonderful hosts once again. Thank you to all of our friends at EAA for their support of this podcast over the years. I want to thank Hal Shevers, the president, founder, chairman, and director of turbine operations for Sporty's <laughs> Pilot Shop for coming and joining us here. James Winbrent, thank you very much. My pleasure, as Thanks always. Thanks to uh, Rick Reynolds for stopping by, Dave Higdon, Jeb Burnside, another year. Another Stick a year. fork in it. Can't wait to come back. Hey, uh, I'm Jack Hodgson. David, what were you going to say? Live longer, go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. That's right. That's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFN. Hey, we don't want to wrap this thing up without sending out our thanks to Jeff Ward for creating the show notes on all our episodes. Also, we want to thank Royce Earl and Mike Morgan and all the many other listeners who have created show opening disclaimer clips for the podcast. Also, a special thanks to Mike Morgan for creating a couple of radio promos that were run on EA Radio uh, to tell people about our podcast and to invite them in to listen. 
We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 5 or $10 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, and more. All of that at uncontrolledairspace.com. See you next time.